Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. Our very own Arsene Wenger, Pierre-Paul Birmingham, is stepping down after an impeccable run as host to focus on other interests in GFFN. We wish him all the very best and I'm sure he'll be back on the pod as a guest very soon. I'm Jake Smales, your new host. You may occasionally have heard me on the preview show and much like Unai Emery, I'm here to pick up the pieces, although I'm obviously hoping for a more successful legacy. As Europe begins to grind back into lockdown, all matches in France this weekend were played behind closed doors, uh, which, as you would expect, had little impact at the Stade Louis II, where Monaco thumped Bordeaux 4-0. Claude Puel's Saint-Étienne side lost their fifth game in a row to out-of-form Montpellier, while in the weekend's headline match, Lille and Lyon battled it out for a one-all draw at the Stade pierre Mauroy. The visitors holding on to a point despite being a man down for most of the second half. We'll be taking a look at those matches as well as previewing some of the upcoming European action involving Ligue 1 clubs in what will be our third consecutive week of European football. I'm burnt out just looking at the schedule, so I don't know how the players are coping. Tonight, I'm joined by Philippe Bargiel. Philippe, how are you doing? Yeah, good evening. Um, um, yeah, very, just fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Good, good. Um, very disappointed for you that you won't be able to continue your ground hopping adventures. Could you remind our listeners how many grounds you've been to so far? So far, I'm on 134. And I was hoping to do uh, most of the non-league uh, in the fourth division, which is called National 2. It's regionalized. Uh, so you have uh, loads of uh, clubs in and around Paris, and uh, you've got loads of clubs in and around the Orléans area. So I was hoping to uh, to to do to do those. Um, not very difficult to get tickets. Not very expensive. Unfortunately, it was not going to be possible for November, and I have no idea if it's going to be possible for December. Even if even if the lockdown finishes, it's not. You know, it's not certain that uh, they'll reopen the gates, even at for a limited crowd, unfortunately. No it's, no, it's not. And I think, you know, the situation is obviously more precarious at that level than it is uh, uh, at Ligue 1 and even Ligue 2. Um, yeah. uh, we're also joined by uh, Eric Devin. Eric, how are you doing? Well, Jake, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for taking over from Pierre Paul. Uh, big shoes to fill, but uh, having worked with you on the previous show before, you're up to the task and looking forward to it. Very kind words and indeed big shoes to fill. Um, as a Leon fan, um, can you give us uh, insight into what was going through your mind when Marcelo picked up that second yellow card in last night's match? Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> what's going through my mind? Uh, I... I, I I feared the worst. Uh, I'm I'm not going to lie. I thought that you know this was here here Leon they they shot themselves in the foot. I mean this is not the first time they've had a player sent off. I thinking back to that loss to Montpellier where Auer got sent off uh, a little earlier in the match than this. But Leon haven't done the best in terms of playing with a man down, and uh, especially to have Marcelo go off. Uh, they were already missing Jason Denayer. Uh, those two being their first or central defensive pairing. And they had uh, Marcelo playing alongside Sinali Diamande, uh, a youngster who was recently capped there for Ivory Coast, for Cote d'Ivoire, uh, and, and looks a bright prospect, but again, is 19 years old, playing central defense against 
an unbeaten team, a team that's in European football, a team that's performed very well this season, has some really dangerous attackers, as we know. Um, and yeah, I did fear the worst, but uh, I think that they off- that Leon offered a really spirited performance. Uh, I think that the, uh, the substitute appearance by Jamal uh, Ben Lamry, uh, he looked fantastic, a, a real character. Um, I'm blanking on what the the British axiom for this is, but someone who really likes to get stuck in and and uh, just really a, a lot of gamesmanship. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. He and uh, Barack <laughs> Yilma, Yilmaz are of a similar similar uh, similar cast in terms of in terms of that sort of uh, that sort of style of play. And it was you know not the most the the best to watch. Um, and Leon certainly, as they have in their last three matches now. Uh, certainly have have Anthony Lopez to thank, uh, given the saves that he pulled off. But yeah, a point at the stab here more more what uh, for a Leon team that are still sort of figuring things out, both tactically and personnel wise. I think is a creditable result. Uh, and even if they aren't where they'd like to be in the table, given a win by the likes of say Nice, uh, they see another t- clubs overtake them this 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 weekend and uh, Ren won as well. But I, I think that on the whole, you know. Playing for 40, 40 odd minutes with ten men uh, and and lacking both the reverse choice central defenders uh, to pull out that result uh, was impressive indeed. Uh, even if Leon looked pretty disjointed uh, going forward when they had, did have eleven men on the pitch, uh, which seemed to be a regression to the mean after some decent attacking performances against Strasbourg and Monaco. And that is where we will begin. Uh, tonight's podcast, having a look at uh, last night's match between Lille and Lyon. Um, Eric gave us a very good overview there of uh, the Lyon uh, performance uh, in that match. So going into the game, obviously, OL were coming off the back of, of a 4-1 win over Monaco and two wins on the bounce. Um, while Les Dog were unbeaten in the league, neck and neck with PSG for top spot. Um, and I believe they'd only been led in the league for nine minutes was the stat that I read, which is pretty remarkable so far in the season. So, you know, Lille looking formidable going into the game. Um, And the two played out a one-all draw, as Eric mentioned, with Lille striking first through Jonathan Bamba uh, before conceding an own goal through Usama shot deflected in off Zeki Celik uh, late in the first half. Um, Early in the second, as we we mentioned, Marcelo was sent off for Lyon through a second yellow card after a late challenge on Jonathan Bamba. Um, Legon, however, managed to hold on for the draw. From a, a Lyon perspective, Eric, what were your expectations going into this game? And kind of red card aside, did the game play out as you expected somewhat? Uh, in, in terms of Leon regressing to the mean, in terms of their attacking play, yes. Um, I, I think that they've had some good performances against Strasbourg and and Monaco, both of those teams, you know, Monaco, again, will get on to this play better uh, this last weekend. But I think that they're still a team that are trying to figure things out tactically and have a very young side and can be got at. Uh, Strasbourg, you know, are looking better with the arrival of Fabi Diallo. But I think in terms of their organization, uh, hardly look hardly look up to it either. So I think that bearing all that in mind, you know, it was good to see Leon get amongst the goals in their last two matches prior to this one. But I, I didn't have a lot of hope for this. Uh, Lille had been, perhaps that match against Celtic aside, uh, a pretty organized side um, and pretty solid defensively. And uh, even if they had struggled at times 
going forward, I, I still think they can't, they, I still think they're, you know, I don't know, right there with Ren in terms of a side that, you know, looks set to, to challenge for, well, maybe not challenge PSG for the title, but to be a team that is, uh, there or thereabouts for, uh, the Champions League coming into the season. Yeah, and I mean, I guess a positive sign was, as you mentioned, kind of how well Leon performed from a defensive perspective in the second half, despite what many would have assumed to be a kind of a, a very uh, wobbly partnership between uh, Sonali Diamande, who's obviously impressed so far, you know, and been starting games more recently for Leon. But at the end of the day, he is 19 and and playing alongside, as you mentioned, Jamel um, Ben La- Ben Lamry, who. Um, who you know has never played European football before was kind of an emergency signing, or at least that was my understanding of it. Right at the end of the window, thirty-year-old um, Algerian uh, defender from Al Shabab, you know, this in the Saudi league. It's not really a, a path well trodden, but you know, in in the second half, other than I think that that whip shot from from Bamba that forced the save from Lopez, I'm I'm not sure Lille looks particularly threatening and how important would you say the the performance of those two in central defense was um in keeping Le dog out eric well i mean i think they were they were fantastic diamande is a is a player who is mobile who's active but again you know this there's obviously a lot more to defending than that there's you know the positional game there's knowing your opponent's tendencies and that sort of thing is something that makes a good defender week in and week out. But uh, there's also the school of thought that effort and drive and motivation can make a difference. And I think we saw that with Ben Lomery. He was uh, play, playing with his all. He was being very vocal. He was he was getting after balls. He was leading, leading from the back. And I think that even if he is third, third or maybe even fourth choice as a center back, I think I still think Denier went fit and Marcelo look the best bet to be Leon's first choice center back pairing. Uh, maybe he, maybe his presence allows Leon to be able to play, play the back three again. Uh, you know, I think there's certainly some questions to be asked as to whether, what indeed is the team's best system, but uh, having a player evince that level of commitment and drive and uh, is, you know, it, and wanting to make an impression uh, in his first first appearance in the league for, and for Leon indeed as a whole indeed uh, is really impressive. And I think that it shows that uh, character wise, even if I think this squad's a little bit unbalanced, especially in terms of the number of attackers and midfielders that they have, um, there are some good things to be said. I also want to praise the performance of Lucas Paqueta. Uh, he, I think most people would have had him as out, uh, some hours nominal replacement, but when our didn't go in the summer, uh, the question was kind of asked, well, now what? We've got um, sort of five midfielders for three spots, and Awar, Kakare, Kimarish, uh, Mendes, and, um, and Paqueta. But he uh, he played a pretty good match yesterday. I think that, you know, he is someone who I think we associate with being uh, more of an attacking midfielder, more of a creative presence. But uh, he really did a lot of, of, of good work to help protect the, uh, that that central defensive partnership and uh, was constantly nipping at the heels of the likes of Kizichi, Kone, Bamba. Um, you know, really a a good a good uh, a good performance from him as well. So it seems that even if there's still some 
questions to be asked over over Leon Summer signings. Um, I think that the two that were on the pitch yesterday, if we if we discount Kataweri and and uh, Toko Kambi having officially signed for the club uh, or joining the club in the case of Kataweri uh, in the summer, I, I think that those two uh, look to be good additions to the squad and. Uh, that's something upon which Rudy Garcia can build. I'm not saying Leon have turned a corner by any means, but I think that it, in looking at this result, um, it's a point with 10 men away to a, a club that, uh, you know, prior to the weekend were level on points at the top of the table. Um, you know, whether Leon can can get things together and attack enough to, you know, make a run at the top three remains to be seen. But uh, I think that this is the most... Uh, Grinta, as they were, to use the South American word, uh, that we've seen from Leon in, in, in quite a while, at least since the Champions League. And uh, it was good to see that. It was good to see that fighting spirit that embodied that that, that set of matches uh, over the summer so well. I thought you would have praised you a bit more, to be honest. Because, I mean, the last night's performance uh, got a lot of praise. First of all, the, the quality, the standard of the play in the first half was really high, I thought. And everybody praised that uh, in midfield. There was uh, very little you could say. It's the only weak league you could, you could see in your first half was uh, Dubois. Not saying that they, they overrun Lille or anything. And, and to be honest, I thought the own goal was quite fortunate. And they were, and you were actually quite fortunate to, to go, at the, go at, the, at the break level. Uh, and then you had yeah, then you had the red card, but you know the the, the resilience, sorry, and fighting spirit showed. And this this epitomised Bellamy the uh, uh, Correct correct me if I'm wrong, but that guy was voted best uh, African Cup of Nations player when Algeria won it two years ago or last year, I think. Um, so it, it was, you know, it's. Uh, it was probably Lyon's best performance against a top team this season and probably the league's best game in, te- in terms of intensity because Lille did throw a lot at Lyon and Lyon uh, came back. That, that, um, the duel between uh, Burai Kilmaz and, and Bellamarie uh, was fascinating to watch because it's between two, two players with the same uh, grinta, as we say, Eric. And uh, so, so it was a, honestly, I thought it was a great watch. So it was a, it was a, it was a great watch, and uh, and uh, uh, the kind of performances that you should be looking forward to, in order to cement second spot. To be honest, I'm, I'm pretty sure we saw last night the two sides who will be challenging for second. Uh, not not seeing much of Marseille. I mean, watching watching them these days is uh, very hard going. Don't see much much else. Uh, don't see any other team uh, challenging for them. So yeah, it was it was just it was just a really good really good watch and a great advert for the league. I thought. Well, uh, yes, uh, I, I still don't know that uh, that attacking front three are on the same page. I think that we saw that on a couple of occasions that Toko Kampi and Kataweri uh, don't necessarily seem to have to be on the same wavelength. Memphis looked somewhat disinterested on the night. Uh, Our looked well, a little bit off the pace the too. Chance. Especially the Depay chance, when, especially the Depay chance when uh, Kadewewe basically uh, steps on his shoe, so to speak, and he can't shoot properly. He thinks that it's a defender coming next to him, but it's actually his teammate, and he's uh, he's not enabling him to make the shot properly. If you see what I mean. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I, I still think that, that, the, that if, if that's the front three with which Rudy Garcia wants to proceed, um, they still need to go in the same wavelength. Now, understandably, uh, Cataweri had, unfortunately, the tragic loss of his brother earlier this year um, mm. and is, is on record as saying, you know, perhaps he's not, quote unquote, quite right uh, in terms of his his where he is mentally. So, mm. you know, he does look a promising player. So and Toko Kambi, we know, has experience, has succeeded in, in the league with Angers before, has done well for Cameroon, done well with Villarreal. Um, I think that there is more to come from Leon, but. I want to see a good attacking performance against a team that has uh, a decent level of defensive solidity. Uh, we probably won't get the chance to see that this weekend against Saint Etienne, uh, you know, given their their recent struggles. But I think that yeah, I'm still looking for a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the word in, in French, uh, Philip? The automatisme, right? The the, the idea of okay. knowing where knowing where people will be on the pitch uh, in relation to each other and, and and, and forging a connection that uh, you know has a, has a syncretism to it that allows the team to really make the most of the, the talent that they manifestly have. Yeah, I think I think there's certainly kind of that uh, improvements to be made in terms of the cohesion of that of that attacking line for Leon. And um, as you pointed out, Eric, certainly I think there was was there not the the Toko Kambi one on one where he and Kadawere were more or less making the same the same run and. Um, I think that kind of almost put put Toko Kambi off his off his shot, which 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 Manuel saved, and then Lille went right down the other end to to score the score. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Manuel saved a one on one for Toko Kambi as well. So it's there, there were it's not just that didn't have chances. It's just there's still some kinks to be worked out. Again, there's this team is uh, you know working its way back into having a sense of unity. Uh, uh, bringing in some new players and new roles, and and I think it it's it's sort of something that needs to be given some time. I think that uh, you know things could be better, but I, I'm I'm still cautiously slightly optimistic, if I can use two modifiers there, uh, about Legon going forward. On the other side of the pitch, then we had Lille, who, um, as you guys mentioned. Uh, Really, kind of matched Leon for intensity in the in the first half. Um, I actually thought they looked really, really dangerous going forward on the uh, counter attack, which is obviously how how they ended up scoring through uh, through Jonathan Bamba. We'll maybe talk touch on him in a second. But do we think Lille kind of f- fell a bit flat in the second half? Certainly, watching that was the impression I got. I think certainly certainly Leon defended very well and very resolutely. Um, but you know, it seemed almost like they were bereft of ideas and and. I personally felt that Galtier should have made some of the changes he made earlier on in the second half. Um, I don't know if you have a, an opinion on this, Philippe. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think what a lot of people thought was that uh, given that Lille were man up for most of the second half, like uh, for 40 minutes out of 45 or something like that, not really sure of the timing of Marcelo sending off, uh, they should have done better. That's basically, I think that's what, what most uh, most viewers of the game sought. But I, I think they throw, they did throw a lot, and uh, that uh, the resilience showed by by Lyon didn't didn't really help. I, I'm still, I was still more impressed by your defensive uh, resolute performance and uh, Lille attacking. I mean, it is it is a four four two, and uh, I think uh, I think it has its uh, its limits. 
didn't think much. Well, um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure, but uh, thought that Renato Sanchez could have done more. Benjamin André was was fine, but he has his uh, his limitations. Bureki Mazini Kone again, solid game, solid performance from from most, from all of them. And I don't think I would have uh, I would have liked Jonathan David in a game like that. I mean, he's uh, he hasn't settled in yet. He's uh, he's low on confidence, and I think he would have been. Uh, 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 swallowed if you if that's the right word uh, by the uh, overawed um, by uh, the, the level of the play uh, from the first half and it just it just kept kept on going because you all just wouldn't give up so I mean I get I get what you're what you're saying that uh, Lille probably should have done more but uh, I honestly think that uh, uh, it was very hard to to, to score against Lyon last night in the second well, to score in, against Lyon for stop because they even had the fantastic Lopez to to cover uh, whenever there was a, there was a chance for Bamba or Icone or whatever. Yeah, you mentioned Lopez. I mean, he was he was outstanding yesterday, and um, as you it was say it again. Sorry, as usual. As usual, as usual, exactly. Yeah. And in that game, it was a real, you know, I think quite telling. It almost seems, certainly from a Lille perspective, there were a lot of contrasts. And you mentioned Renato Sanchez there. I, I personally thought he was very poor last night. Some wayward passing. I think he had a corner which missed missed the entire entire team. So, so not ideal there. But then on the other end, you do have someone like Jonathan Bamba, who really seemed to raise his game as he has done this season. You know, he's got four goals in nine games. His goal was 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 a brilliant shot, I thought. And um, and he obviously tested. Perhaps the other biggest test of Lopez was from him. Um, Eric, do you think Jonathan Bamba is, is back to his best, perhaps after what last season was undoubtedly a, a disappointing season when many were expecting him to raise his game and perhaps kind of fill the boots of, of Nicola Pepe, as it were? Yeah, I do, I do think so. I think that um, obviously he probably had, I don't know about a lack of confidence, but I think that the arrival in good form of, of the likes of, of Aussie men and, and the signing of, of uh, Yazici, the signing of uh, David, it, I mean, the message that's sending on, on, in some regards then is, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, to, to what extent are the club happy with their, uh, their attacking lineup? And and Bamba is a part of that. I know Okone was was linked to the move away, but this summer. But um, he's even as Okone has been dropped, even as as David's been dropped, or David's been dropped. Uh, Bamba's been there week in and week out, and and delivering. And I think that uh, you know he's a player who again, I think can offer a lot. Uh, he's his ability on the ball and his unselfishness, but also, you know, ha- having a good shot on him, uh, seems to be making all the difference, uh, f- for Leo. I mean, he, his, his goals allowing them to win, um, you know, Yilmaz seems to have turned a corner and seems to be playing better, but <clears throat> pardon me, prior to, prior to that, um, he certainly, uh, looked, uh, how do I say this? Looked a, uh, he certainly looked a presence that um, you know was going to be one of the few uh, difference makers, as it were, for uh, for <clears throat> for Le Dog, uh, given they sort of uh, struggled with their attacking um, rhythm uh, to start the season, but still managed to go undefeated as as uh, as Bamba 
you know, rolled out some crucial goals and assists to keep them uh, within touching distance of that top three. Well, it was very much an entertaining game. Um, and um, another uh, entertaining game, which we will move on to, uh, although... Uh, somewhat more one-sided than the uh, than the aforementioned match was Monaco's 4-0 dropping of Bordeaux. Um, despite um, the two goals um, and the red card in that game, I think the 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 most intense spell was the was the four minutes or so that happened at Stade Louis II, where when and um, Bordeaux completely caved. Um, was 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 this the perfect? Uh, definition, if you like, of a team bouncing back. Do we think Philippe, you know, being being defeated four one in their last match, and then kind of silencing any 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 doubters with a with a four one four nil win at home? Well, Eric could um, could maybe correct me if if I'm if I'm wrong or if I'm wrong on the what I'm going to say about Robert Kovac, but he seems to be as a manager twice things and saying, you know, if it works, uh, tant mieux. If it doesn't work, tant pis. Which is uh, Tommy being well, uh, good, good first, and Tommy being uh, meaning uh, well, we'll do better next time. I think he's trying to uh, to uh, implement a very open way of uh, of playing, not being uh, defensive defensively strict. Uh, certainly not uh, the same strictness we're accustomed to in Liga, and just uh, really enjoying enjoying. Uh, uh, Playing, playing, attacking, attacking football. It didn't work at Lyon. Uh, they were, I mean, what they did at the back was criminal. There was far too much space between the defence and the goalkeeper. And there they were against a team who are very, very poor going forward. I mean, really, really bad. And it's not, it's nothing new. Bordeaux uh, haven't uh, haven't scored much this season. They have, they have won a few games, but uh, you know, lots of uh, a couple of uh, of nails in their goals, goal scored column. And so, yeah, I think that's uh, that's my, I mean, that's my uh, my opinion on the on the subject. But uh, again, it's early days. Uh, maybe it's completely false, but I don't see a lot of uh, uh, rigidity in in Kovac. Just like just that, uh, he wants to get to know the system, gets to want to know the players, and he can play a system and be competitive. And I think he's going to manage. I think uh, I don't think he's under any kind of danger, despite losing four one at Lyon last uh, last week. And that this result will go will go to show that um, uh, to prove a lot of uh, doubters wrong. I mean, Monaco are now eight; they're not far from the European places. Uh, he doesn't seem to have a lot of pressure. So you know, so far, I mean, I'm not going to say so far so good because there has been some bad performances uh, last like last week. I mean, uh, no no short memory there. But you know, it seems to seems to be okay. You've got he's back by. It seems like that he's back by the board, and that he can. He can do basically. He can try out uh, some new stuff uh, this season, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how Eric feels about this, but certainly going into the season, I think I had I had reservations, not necessarily on the quality of coach that we were looking at. You know, this is a guy who won the. Uh, um, the the German Cup with with Eintracht Frankfurt and who won the league with Bayern Munich obviously but I think a lot of a lot of people in the Bayern camp were quite unhappy with the with the style of football that was played and you know when Hansi Flick came in that was viewed as this great kind of change from this more passive defensive style into kind of back into that kind of um, high press uh, more intense kind of um, forward thinking style so actually to see Kovac kind of Kovac's Monaco 
as they are is it's it's a breath of fresh air and 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 i think we'd agree no eric sorry you you broke up there right at the end guys an exciting managerial addition to the league i think no yeah i i do okay i i have two caveats to that um one is that I don't think playing a four-four-two uh, with uh, with with that set of players is going to work week in and week out. Um, that's a question for me. Uh, I, I think that uh, Fofana and Chumani, uh are decent players, but uh, it's asking a lot of two very young and relatively inexperienced players to work together in a uh, two-man two central midfield. Um, so that's, that's a question. Um, and I also question that uh, the squad seems a little thin in certain areas and also overly reliant on Winston Ben Yedder. Um, now, don't get me wrong, Ben Yedder is a fantastic player. Uh, and has proven that throughout the season um, and last season. He, he shared the scoring title with Kylian Mbappe last year. Um, but, uh, again, I know we saw a brace from Kevin Voland, but uh, his first goals of the season, um, I know we've had some other decent performances from players, but it really it really seems the teams seem to be really lacking uh, sort of a secondary uh strike strike partner well you know last season i think uh, there were a lot of positives to be had around the good play of uh, islam slamani uh working with men in a two but i don't know that volan being as not being as physical of a striker as as was slamani uh, i think that there's still some sort of kinks to be worked out in terms of what is this team's uh best way to play um they don't have a number 10 so that's that's something that they're not going to play a four two three one. Um, there's not really a lack of, you know, in the absence of, of Alexander Golovin, who who may be back uh, as soon as this weekend. I understand he's back and uh, at least training. Um, that's that's something that um, the Kovac still has to work out how he's going to get the best out of the disparate parts that he's had. Golovin actually had a fairly bright start to the season. Um, but, uh, you know, this thigh injury he's been suffering from the last nearly two months uh, has really um, uh, started taking the wind out of, out of some of uh, Monaco's creative sales. So it's been, uh, it's been sort of needs must for Kovac. Um, but I think that this idea of, of playing this aggressive, um, high-pressing system um, and working to improve the, the players that he has is, is a positive. Uh, I think that the, the teams that have done the best in Ligue 1 uh, in recent seasons are, 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 are led by managers who, who do that, who have, uh, you know, maybe aren't necessarily wedded to a certain tactical system, but who are uh, instilling a certain way of playing and getting the best out of uh, younger players and improving them. I, we think about uh, perhaps Nice under Lucien Favre, uh, Leo, uh, I think Galtier has has definitely improved slash gotten the best out of uh, their cadre of young players. Um, I think obviously the same obviously the same for <clears throat> pardon me Julien Stefan at Rennes. So I think bearing that in mind, uh, the Co- uh, Kovac has Monaco going in the right in the right direction, but I still think that there's perhaps some adjustments to be made. Um, 
I'm Kyle Henrique had a had a really strong match at left back, and I think that he could be uh, a long term solution there. He is still working his way back to fitness, uh, having uh, had a relatively long layoff uh, from playing. Um, and then you know with he and Ruben Aguilar, uh, you've got uh, if, if Henrique can continue to play that well, you have a decent pair of fullbacks. Uh, I think it's just more a matter at that point of uh, of getting the balance right in, in terms of how you want to set up that midfield. Uh, because they have been undone by a lack of solidity there more often than not, and I think that that's that's really the, the issue. Uh, he had tried Cesc Fabregas as a sort of a regista, uh, a deep line playmaker. That didn't really work out um, in terms of defensive solidity. And uh, if Kovac can find a formation uh, once Golovin's fit that's consistent and uh, allows Monaco to have a bit more creativity and a bit more options for goal scoring, I think you can really see the best out of this team. Um, once, once um, Kovac has all the pieces uh, that he needs to um, to work with. Yeah, and it, I think it's exciting times in the Principality, at least more exciting than the last couple of seasons. Um, a team, however, who look to be heading in the wrong direction are Jean-Louis Gasset's Bordeaux. Um, Eric, I know you saw this match, so I don't know what you made of their performance, but to me it looked like well, it looked torrid. I mean, after after the giving away the penalty, which was Monaco's for Monaco's first goal, it was a Pablo handball, I believe. It was as if Bordeaux's heads completely dropped, and Monaco obviously then scored twice in quick succession. Bordeaux seemed to lack any real defensive shape. They were making mistakes. You know, Yassine Adli passing straight to straight to the Monaco attackers for, I believe, the the second goal, and they just had such a high back line throughout the match as well. I mean. Yeah, what what did you make of Bordeaux? To me, it was the performance was atrocious. Yeah, I mean, this is only my second time seeing them uh, this season. To be honest, I, I saw them against Leon uh, prior to this. I, it was surprising. Um, I, I think that you know we we talked about uh, Bordeaux l- looking. You know, perhaps Ben Arfa could lead. Uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit, bit of a renaissance for this team that. You have players who have succeeded at various levels in the past. Uh, Remy Udin was a fine player at at, uh, at Reims, as was Nicolas de Preville. Jimmy Brion's been an impressive player at various stops in his career, and even though he is getting on a bit, um, his uh, his goal scoring record on a per minute basis is has not failed to be impressive. So um, it would seem that the pieces are there. You've got Adley's an exciting young midfielder. Um, Mehdi Zerkan is is pretty highly thought of as well. Um, in Paul Weiss, uh, Pablo, and uh, Lauren Koscielny, you have a solid set of center backs, um, whichever two of the three of them you know you want to make your your first choice remains to be seen. But um, it seems like the pieces are here, are there, rather, I should say, uh, for, for Bordeaux to succeed. And it seems that even if they had lacked a bit of cohesion, in, uh, more than a bit of cohesion in an attack over the, the season's first eight matches, that you know, they would be a, a tough nut to crack, as it were, a difficult opponent in a situation. But now with this result, you know, and, and Gasse saying publicly, we're going to be fighting against relegation in the aftermath of this. Um, now I think questions have to be asked. And I, I wonder, I sort of wonder, you know, this team's also a bit imbalanced. It's, it's you know, not a team, you know, okay, we can look at, at Maja as being a, young, a younger player, Josh Maja, uh, and Zerkan and Adli as being younger players, but it's a team that, uncharacteristically for French football, is 
fairly reliant on experienced or even older players. And I think that um, given given that it, it's these these you, you sort of have to wonder at this point in their careers, you know, to what scope to what uh, scope is there to what degree? Pardon me, is there scope for improvement? I know we've seen Tomo Basic improve certainly um, during his time at the club, but. Uh, you know, are, are some of these players starting to reach their ceiling, or have they already? I, I think of a player like maybe Loris Benito. Uh, you know, they're not—they're not, they're not going to suddenly turn into world beaters. And um, I, I, I think that you know, perhaps you know, let's give Gas a you know, obviously a very experienced and, and respected manager within the game in, in France. Uh, let's give him a chance to rebound, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would worry for Bordeaux's safety in terms of relegation. I think that's a bit hyperbolic. Uh, and also, there are definitely <laughs> teams that are a lot worse than Bordeaux. Um, you know, I think, as I mentioned before, Dijon look, look to be, if not historically bad, just pretty poor. Um, I'm still not convinced of Strasbourg uh, organizationally. Um, but, you know, uh, Saint-Étienne, even, Gassi's former team, uh, really look up, up the creek without a paddle. Uh, given their recent play, and we'll get on to their match as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that um, if Bordeaux can use the international break to sort of get back to basics and get a coherent attacking plan uh, with the arrival of Ben Arfa, I mean, his, his sort of 11th hour, hour arrival uh, has sort of complicated things. You know, what's the best role for him? I mean, he's been played as a false nine, he's been played as a 10, um, he, he's played off the wing at various points in his career. Um, how does uh, I guess they get the best out of what's undoubtedly a very talented group of attackers, uh, tactically and, and and tactically. And if he can solve that uh, and get that defense back to back to being at a decent level, I mean, you know, Paul Weiss has always been a solidly gun defender. Lauren Castellani is a little bit older, but we know his history. Pablo, um, you know, is has had a bit of a dip this season, uh, coming back from injury. But you know, he was called up for Brazil last year for a reason. Um, so there's there's good material at Bordeaux. I think it just, it just now the question has to be, uh, is Gasset able to do this, give him a little bit of a chance, but, uh, but not too much because again, this team is, is, is not a young side and they need, you know, they're not going to be improved. They're going to be organized, uh, in terms of improving their performances. Uh, that organization is what's going to make the difference here. I mean, uh, Phil, I'll come to you in a second, but I just want to, off the back of that, read some of the extracts of that of that Gasset interview after the match. Uh, just comments like, from the moment we concede, everything collapses. We destroyed everything in four minutes. This team lacks character. We must realise today that Bordeaux will be fighting against relegation. That's what I was told when I arrived, and I have to comply with that. It's the truth. Uh, he also goes on to say that Bordeaux is in a bad period and there is no heart. Um, pretty, pretty damning um, there from from Jean Louis Gasset. I just find that comment so interesting that this team is fighting against relegation. This is what I was told when I arrived. I mean, or this is what I was told, yeah, to expect when I arrived. Phil, what do you make of those comments? Because Bordeaux are not a team who should be should be fighting for relegation, you know, and with a, with a coach like Jean-Louis Gasset coming in, someone experienced, someone who's, who's was so successful as a head coach in Ligue 1 in his last role at Saint-Étienne. And, um, you know, as Eric rightly pointed out, someone who has good material at his, has his, at his um, disposal. 
what 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 is he getting at there? What's 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 going on at Bordeaux? It depends what you uh, what uh, what you compare it to. Because if Gasset says this uh, squad doesn't have any heart, then they're definitely in a relegation uh, struggle. Because uh, Reims has a heart, Strasbourg has a heart. Even even Dijon, who are really not a great uh, great team these days, uh, have a heart. Lorient, Lens, a load of teams are really uh, trying to put stuff together and get some get some points. I think what Gasset was told when he arrived at Bordeaux said, "Look, we don't want to spend any money." Uh, Let's try not to pay uh, too many uh, wages uh, too too high. So uh, certainly, let's get uh, free players like Adem Benafa, and uh, basically uh, uh, do everything you can to get results uh, without uh, money. I think that's basically what Guess has been told, and um, I think it's a very apt, uh, um, shall we say, uh, summary. Of the last uh, twenty, of the last ten years, uh, going out, going, uh, going on, and uh, in the southwest. I mean, Toulouse is ba- Toulouse is badly run too. Uh, they uh, they suffered relegation too, and uh, it just it just seems that Bordeaux could be heading the same way. I honestly don't think so. There's far too much quality in the squad. The goalkeeper's good. The defense is good. Uh, some players going forward are not too bad. But the attacking, uh, uh, the, the attacking sense is just not good enough. It's just very, very poor. The, the thing they've got going for them is that they do have a good defence and it's, it, it is hard for you know, the average Liga team, which I don't think Monaco are offensively at least, to score against them. So they will grind out a bit like Nantes. I mean, to, to me, the, both clubs, are, it's, uh, it's very hard to watch uh, because uh, they're solid defensively and they're absolutely terrible uh, going forward. So I don't think I don't think they go is they going to go up. And what Gasse is saying uh, to the fans is, uh, uh, please uh, don't get your hopes up. And to be honest, m- many many managers uh, managers before him could have said the same thing because uh, going forward, Bordeaux have not been a joy to watch for a long time. Yeah, and I think that's pretty damning, really, of of this this project. You know, I know that. No, I feel. I feel their fans. I really, really do. I mean, I think relegation would do uh, a lot of good to the club. Of course, they have to go back up, of course. But uh, just staying there and uh, basically, uh, basically defecating in Liga is just not doing any good for them. It's just I don't know. It's it's not good. They're just they're just um, doing. Uh, uh, mid-table mediocrity over mid-table mediocrity, and uh, you know the, the place is so down. There's just no life in it. it. Just seems sad, really. Hard to disagree with that. Um, moving on to a club who are in, you know, where the situation is perhaps equally dour. At least more recently, uh, we'll take a look at Saint-Étienne versus Montpellier. Um, so Sante hosted. Montpellier and um, the away side triumphed with a 1-0 win thanks to a lovely strike from Steffi Mavididi. Um, Phil, I know you caught this game. What did you make of, of Sante's performance? That's now five straight defeats. And after such a bright start to the season, um, what's, what's, what's been going wrong? I think uh, most, um, what's uh, been going wrong was most, is mostly off the pitch and on it. 
I think there's a real uh, financing problem when a when a club gets more money from the TV deal. Or else that uh, might might have been a smart move because <laughs> the money might run out uh, any any months now. Uh, when you're playing, basically you're under you're under 19s or you're under 21s in the senior squad. Uh, it's uh, amazing to think that at least five players. Uh, the half plate for Saint Etienne, we're in November. Well, actually, we started the season a little late. I mean, we usually start uh, beginning beginning of August, and uh, this season we start beginning of September. But still, uh, five players they don't have they're not under contract. They're just uh, used products, and they're just uh, shown in because they've got no nobody else to uh, they've got nobody else to to to, to give the uh, to give the the chances on the pitch to. It's uh, I think there's a serious, serious problem um, uh, behind the scenes. I think there is absolutely uh, no money, and that Sanchez will be in great, great trouble uh, if they go down. And it looks very, uh, it looks very uh, uh, likely. And um, and I I dread to think what's going to happen if the media pro uh, TV deal collapses because Saint-Étienne have enough problems um, off the pitch as it is. But if they're not getting their money, well, it's going to be difficult. Do you echo um, Phil's pessimism there, Eric? Yeah, I mean, they they obviously underwent this degressage, uh, defatting of the squad, uh, getting rid of higher wage earners, but they didn't complete that. They still have Wabi Kazri in their books. They still have Miguel Trauco in their books. Um, and I think that and they've also been dealing with injuries. I think that um, that's 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 an issue. Uh, but I mean, Stefan Ruffier is still he's sort of an elephant in the room, uh, given his experience and his quality. Uh, Mulan has been uh, he was fine at the weekend, but he's he's definitely been inconsistent this season. Um, they don't really have uh, a central striker with um, Abi and uh, Crasso injured. Uh, you know, so they've been sort of playing a mix of Hamuma there. Uh, bringing Dennis Bowanga off the bench yesterday, I don't understand that either. Uh, he's he was undoubtedly their most brilliant attacker last season, um, but he'd been linked with a move away as well. Uh, nice were in for him supposedly. He wanted to join a club that was playing in Europe. Uh, so yeah. Um, I think it was a, definitely a, a pretty. It, it's definitely not a good situation for Le Verre. Uh They were uh, in Ligue 2 about 20 years ago, I believe. Um, and uh, you know, I, I. I mean, they could be headed back that way this year. I think that um, you know what we saw against the Montpellier side yesterday. Who, to their credit. Um, I think Montpellier played really well. 16 years ago uh, today, uh, this year, Eric, 16 years since they got promoted from Ligue 2. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, Montpellier playing a different system with a raft of absences. Uh, you had no Arnaud Suke, no Mahalo Ristic, uh, no Demian Letalek, uh, no Tejci Zivanie, um no Hilton, um, no Jonas Omlin. Um, Half that... the starting 11. Right, and playing a different system rather than that customary three-five-two or three-four-one-two. Uh, they were playing a four-three-three with uh, Junior Zambia as as a right back. Uh, you had uh, Keegan Dolly as one of your central midfielders. Again, Dolly's a fine player; he's not a central midfielder. But I think that uh, Montpellier did well to be organized and and uh, and that was good. But I, I think if I'm a Sente fan, I'm looking at this match and thinking I'm playing at home again. 
without crowds. I know that the, the Jeff Roy Guichard is one of the best atmospheres in, in Liga when, when it's full for a, a big match. Um, but uh, I would have looked at this as being, oh, yeah, uh, here are Montpellier, you know, missing, you know, crucial parts of their team up and down, up and down the, the 11. Uh, this should be a match in which we're looking to get a result. But uh, Montpellier just played with sort of a preternatural calm and looked really good at Whereas Sente were a study in contrast. They were disorganized. Uh, they seemed to lack any sort of attacking uh, cohesion. Um, and Bauchich was another player who came off the bench. I'm not really sure why. He's been a relative bright spot for, for Lever this, this season in the early going. So if you're if you're going to have a go uh, at a, at a d- diminished Montpellier, you know, why, if you're Claude Puel, are you, are you starting, you know, arguably your two of your three most uh, gifted attacking players on the bench in Buongo and Achich. Um So, yeah, it's still a lot of questions to be asked, uh, both of the club's hierarchy and of, and of Puel on the day. Uh, and, I, again, I know he's got he's got injuries to deal with as well. Um, Matthew Debussy, who's, you know, again, certainly uh, uh, older now and a bit of a faded presence, but he, he is a player who could have been looked at as a leader um, for this club, um, given his experience and given sort of the, the energy with which he plays. Uh, I think he's he's a bigger miss than people realize, and also the eleventh hour uh, departure of Fofana, and given the acrimony that surrounded that, there's there's a lot of caveats to the way that Sente have uh, started this campaign. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a mess, and I think that if they do stay up this season, it's going to be because there are other clubs that are poorer than them, um, not financially, but but poorer on the pitch. I mean, I, I, I mentioned the them earlier i mean i think uh you know i'm not expecting great things from any of uh dijon strasbourg uh neem uh not even i you know i think that their their performances have been sort of hit, hit and miss as well um so yeah i i think that it's not uh i think that if i'm you know if we talk about jean-louis gasset speaking about bordeaux being a candidate for relegation i'd be far more worried about because we can look at bordeaux's match uh, against Monaco is perhaps being a bit of an aberration given their good start to the season, at least defensively. Uh, whereas uh, Sente have now lost five straight, I believe. Uh, and yep. it's not exactly been a murderer's row of opponents. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, especially you know, Case today. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think if, if you were to say this is going to be Montpellier starting 11 uh, for the rest of the season, I, I wouldn't, you know, tip them to do anything more than lower mid table. Rather than you know being the the, <clears throat> the European contender that I think most would have them be uh, with the full complement of players. Do you think something needs to be done about Puel or not? Because uh, bear in mind that if Puel goes, Ruffier may be back between the sticks. I think this team has deeper structural problems than Puel. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, what I'm not sure what another manager would would do in a positive sense. Honestly, I, I don't know what sort of improvement. There were to be had. I mean, this the squad doesn't. I, I don't understand the decisions he's making. I, I mentioned that. Uh, I think that a manager who would be unafraid to play their best eleven uh, would make sense. Um, but again, you're still some of those best eleven. I mean, case in point, Kazri. Um, you know, maybe he's going to be the striker in a four-two-three-one. If you're really trying to think who's the best team on paper. Um, but Puel seems to be trying to balance that with giving chances to younger players, and I'm, I'm not sure that he's picking his his moments uh, in the best way possible. Um, I think, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the the guy who played on the right wing, Ben. 
Ben Ben Kedima. Yeah, I, I don't. I was not impressed by him. Um, I, I would have, no. I would have rather have seen um, seen someone else filling that role. Um, you know, it's great to give these young players a chance, uh, but maybe wait for wait for a cup match uh, or, um, yeah. So I don't know. I think definitely some questionable decisions by Puel, but I think his hands are definitely tied by uh, both injuries and uh, what the club have done in the transfer market. Uh, the Rufier thing is again sort of an albatross over the situation, but. I I don't think that that's a, a make or break uh, element to uh, how this club can play. Well, that was uh, basically what I was uh, getting at is that uh, Sakim Puel would uh, get Rupier back uh, in goal, which is important because he's still the third uh, best goalkeeper in uh, in the country, even though we haven't seen him play. Uh, seem in, uh, third best goalkeeper in the country. Third, I would say, yeah. That's a big call. Who who are one and two? <laughs> I'd say Navas and, uh, and Lopez. Mignon? Uh, no, no, I'd still go with Ruffier. Benitez? But the thing with Ruffier is, let's uh, not forget, you know, he was he was out of form when Puel dropped him. Yes, he's, you know, been such a, one of the most consistent keepers in the league for, for years. But, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't entirely unjustified, the decision to, to, to give Moulin a go in goal. Yeah, you, you see my point. It's still, it's still a big gap between Moulin and Ruffier. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to change much, but, you know, it would change uh, quite quite a bit. I, I mean, let's be honest, they need anything some... at this point. But... Yeah, that's that's basically right. my point. It, it's like, I mean, it could it could do uh, some good to the squad, but again, who do you replace him, who do you replace Puel with? And uh, he needs to be experienced, he needs how to how to manage a relegation struggle because I mean we we don't know if Bordeaux are going to be in a relegation struggle I I honestly doubt it but I'm pretty sure Saint Etienne are going to be you see all these uh, all these clubs picking up the points and now Saint Etienne just two points from the uh, relegation zone it's just that they started the season so well but now it's just I mean the mood is very very bad and well I don't know I don't know what the, the mood is and uh, whether we should talk about it now or maybe you you guys will talk about it in a preview show. But uh, yeah, uh, starting previewing the uh, the Saint Etienne Lyon match, uh, would it be uh, some uh, some t- some type of five nil five nil win like we had a couple of uh, seasons ago, or or not? But uh, it could it could really uh, hurt Puel uh, a lot if it's uh, if it's a heavy defeat on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you have to say things are looking things are looking very, very bleak indeed, and not just you know not just replacing Puel with somebody who can deal with a, ne- a relegation fight, but also somebody who can navigate a relegation fight with a young squad, and you know that's an entire diff- entire. It's not like he can rely on t- tons of experienced players who've been in that position before, you know. Um, it's, it's like it's not even it's not even a young squad. It's uh, it's uh, it's not even uh, not enough players to field uh, to field a, a decent a decent a decent team and picking up in the youth setup. I mean that's how bad it is. I think it's even yeah. worse than the young yeah. squad. You know, it's very inexperienced on very the whole. Inexperienced. I think of course, of course, you've got Kazri and all, all, and um, other players, but still, this is uh, I mean things are that bad. Let's move forward now to hopefully some more uh, more positive uh, discussion, or or perhaps not. I guess in the case of of some of these teams, but let's have a look at the uh, the upcoming European action for the teams in in Ligue 1. Um, so we have um, 
obviously tomorrow we have Porto hosting Marseille. And then on Wednesday, Rennes and PSG travel to Chelsea and Leipzig, respectively. Uh, let's have a look at Marseille uh, versus Porto initially. Um, Marseille, obviously, with two defeats now in the Champions League out of two. Um, Porto lost in the league last weekend. They lost 3-2 to Passos Ferreira uh, domestically. They also played a match, which is more than can be said for Marseille. Um, Eric, I know that um, you were speaking a lot on this show, I think perhaps on the preview show with me as well. We talked, we looked at Porto as being um, beatable opponents for, for OM in this group. Do you still think that's the case despite uh, Marseille's start? And do you think that having not played at the weekend, Marseille perhaps have uh, an edge in this uh, congested uh, schedule? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think they're beatable. I think that they've... They've looked poor defensively all season, and giving up three at the weekend, even if they rotated a little bit, uh, is further evidence of that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think they're beatable. And I think that I think that it's, you know, I don't want to say it's a blessing in disguise. I think it's just a blessing that uh, Marseille didn't play on Friday, and they've got some time to perhaps work a little bit more on their automatisme, I get that we're using that word again, uh, <laughs> and figuring out, figuring out how, to, how to get the best out of this, this, this lineup. Whether that's going to include Paye, Cuisance, uh, Benedetto, Tovin, um, you know, maybe even another star. Well, hoping on another start for Adonis. Uh, but how to get how to get the best out of uh, their attacking players, given that they are a somewhat limited side in that aspect. Um, so if if Ias Boas has had time to analyze what he thinks Porto's weaknesses may be, uh, then you know there is a chance to uh, move on and develop from there. Phil, what do you think about this one? Because surely we need to see um, AVB kind of go back to um, what makes this Marseille side uh, tick, which has obviously been more difficult to do this season. I, I get that they've they've struggled far more than they did last season. Players have been out of form, particularly Dimitri Payet, for example. But, you know, what whatever system they were using against Man City did not work. Surely we're going to see a return to kind of a more conventional 4-3-3 for this match or, or something along those lines. Yeah, but I still think that they needed that um, uh, some, some type of game at the weekend to put them into, uh, to put their confidence back into, uh, to put some confidence back into the squad, back into the players. Uh, choose another formation and uh, hopefully it would have worked against loss. In the end, the game was postponed. Still don't think... Uh, uh, anything positive will happen uh, tomorrow evening at, uh, at Porto, even if Porto did lose at the weekend or they have defensive problems and whatnot. There's a lot of problems at Marseille too. And, uh, yeah, a lot of negativity around the, around the place. I think, uh, yeah, they have to... Uh, still, still some people think that they... Uh, they can they can do something out of out of this European uh, campaign. I personally don't don't think so, and uh, think they should uh, try and uh, uh, keep the you know keep keep the score at uh, at a minimal. It's 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 a, it's a difficult situation, isn't it, for Marseille? Because I think, as we pointed out, I. I we would have perhaps been cautiously optimistic going into this group that Marseille would have been able to make it through despite their their thin squad. And they now find themselves, you know, two defeats in a row. Um, presumably as well, the kind of their more recent form in Europe 
um, especially that Europa League campaign of 2018, at the, at the end of 2018, that will have really kind of, I think they lost almost all their games in the group stage. You know, that will be, presumably that will be paying on their minds psychologically as well. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know what, where Andre vs Bus should go from here, you know, in terms of um, how he, how he G's up the players and how he, how he kind of persuades them that they're able to do anything because with, with Olympiacos, um, Porto beating Olympiacos in the last game, you've got to think it is perhaps going to be too much for Marseille even to qualify for for um, for for third position in the Europa League in this one, I think. But, you know. Um, let's move on to uh, what I think many are dubbing the, the Edouard Mendy derby, uh, which is, of course, Chelsea versus um, Stade René. Um, Ren are on defeat and a draw. Obviously, they drew to Krasnodar um, at home in that first match before losing to Sevilla. Um, Eric, it looked to me like Ren really struggled in that last match against Seville. I mean, obviously, they uh, were playing away from home. They were missing two key midfielders in uh, Nzonzi, who was suspended for some bizarre reason. I think he, he had hit a bottle or something like that, and he'll be back for this game, but... Kamavinga was out. He won't be for this one. Did, what What did you make of, of of their performance in Seville? Uh, again, yeah, they lacked co- they lacked coherency going forward. I think that that having that base of Nzanzi to protect the back four, having that drive of Kamavinga makes a big difference into into the way that this team play. Uh, you know, Clement Grenier, you know, was game to try. He's just not a player. He was. Uh, during his best days at Leon, unfortunately, uh, it's, you know, Benjamin Borisho is, is a good, is a fine player too, but I, I think he's, I hate to say this, he's probably a cut below a Champions League standard. Uh, and you've got, you know, an attack that's still sort of trying to come together. Uh, you know, Jeremy Doku looked like he had some bright moments as well. Um, so if he's going to be installed as a starter on that right flank, then there's, there's something positive to be had from that. So again, I, I think that, Really, what this comes down to in terms of success for Ren is: uh, can they get at Chelsea? Can they can they attack them? Um, and if they can, if they can be successful using using the pace and guile of a player like a Sergio Gurassi or a, or a Jeremy Doku, I think they've got a chance to to pinch a result here. Uh, but it's going to require, you know, the kind of team effort and uh, unity that uh, you know the that that really will be the club playing to their to their very best. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it, there's. I'm not holding my breath, but you know, a draw here and uh, you know anything can happen. Um, I, I think that losing losing away to Sevilla was a was a big blow. I, I think that for me, um, you know, Sevilla might be perhaps more of a threat than Chelsea in this group, given their consistency of play. Uh, so yeah, that I think, I think that, it, uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's tough to, to assess that, that Sevilla loss. Uh, but I think in keeping it to one nil, uh, Ren may have given themselves uh, slightest sliver of hope of going through. Yeah, I, d- I don't disagree. I mean, I, th- I think in that particular game, they, they, they really weren't able to kind of, they would, as you say, they held it down to, to, to a one nil defeat. 
And away from home, that is always difficult. Away from home to the Europa League champions, of course. But, you know, they didn't manage to, I think Sevilla outshot them kind of like 10 to 1. It was um, it was a tough game for for Ren, but I, as a as a Chelsea fan, I can I can say that you know I have my doubts over over Chelsea's kind of defensive capabilities. I mean, actually, funnily enough, since Edouard Mendy came came into the side, we've kept five clean sheets in the games he's played. So um, so things have certainly improved defensively, and of course we have um, um, league arm veteran Thiago Silva at the back. Um, but certainly, I think Ren have the players that are capable of, of, of hurting Chelsea, and they will be without Kamavinga for this game. But as you say, with, with Doku and with Thierry on the other flank, you know, I think um, I think Ren certainly have a chance to hurt Chelsea, albeit you know an outside one to to really get anything out of this game. Um, I don't know if you if you would agree with that, Phil. Well, yes, because um, the thing with Chelsea is that the, um, Lampard spent uh, a lot of money uh, offensively, and I don't think he has uh, he has sorted uh, his starting eleven yet. Uh, he knows that he has a, a squad capable of playing two very uh, um, high quality games a week, but uh, with uh, with Werner, with um, with um, with Havertz. Uh, Ziyech uh, as well, who uh, who really uh, who's starting to play now. Um, it's uh, it's going to be. I think it's going to be hard for, for him to to uh, to make to um, how do you say this? Put put a, a run of results, and if then go straight at them, so to speak, um, then. Uh, I think it's possible. I think it's possible. But, you know, it would be better if Kepa played between the sticks because Edouard Mendy is still a very, very good goalkeeper. So, yeah, tough luck on the run if Mendy starts. Indeed. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult um, for them, but they do indeed have a chance to hurt the Premier League side. And what you're saying about Lampard as well, I think that may be the one kind of saving grace for Chelsea well, not saving grace as such, but the one thing that really keeps them keeps them keeps them through it is that they do have a squad capable of rotation. Lampard has been really making quite a lot of changes between those weekend Premier League fixtures and those midweek um, matches in Europe, and that's obviously a luxury that that Ren simply don't have. I know, I know, Stefan has been making a couple of changes here and there, but um, but nowhere near as many as Lampard have been has been making. So maybe freshness will mean that you know, despite Chelsea's defensive frailties, they will be able to uh, to navigate this one. Um, moving on then to the last uh, the last big Champions League game. Um, uh, or the last Champions League game, I should say, involving a Ligue 1 side. Of course, it is Paris Saint-Germain going to Leipzig. Um, they, the team they conquered in their the semi-finals of the Champions League in their run in the summer. Um, things seem to have gone slightly awry for Leipzig in the last couple of weeks. They they lost to five nil to Manchester United last time out, and um, lost in the league for the first time this season to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, at the weekend, Phil, I know you've talked recently on the pod about PSG's problems and behind the scenes, especially um, everything going on with Tuchel and Leonardo. But surely this is a game that, based based on what is what seems to be a kind of loss of form at Leipzig, this should be should be a winnable one for for Le Parisien. No, of course it's winnable. That's not. Uh, I, I'm going to say that's not the that's not the point, uh, because uh, Leipzig are much weaker than they were uh, 
when we played them in the final eight because they lost to uh, Timo Werner. Uh, they gave, I mean, they gave a good performance at Gladbach on, on Saturday um, where it was uh, yeah, quite, a, quite a, a good quality game. Uh, one nil, one nil to Gladbach. So Solot played up front with uh, with Paulson. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that uh, we can uh, contain them uh, defensively. It's just uh, with the injuries, uh, Neymar is definitely out. I reckon uh, Mbappe is a possible is a possible miss, or maybe it's certain. I'm not I'm not quite sure. Even so, I mean, uh, I think the confidence has to be uh, brought back in. And the point we had against Manchester United was more a uh, a uh, tactical mishap in the first half and the second half we just didn't didn't push push through enough i mean i'm pretty sure the, uh, the 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 squad is capable of doing much better much better things than what we saw against manchester united and istanbul pasaksi here uh, that was another very very drab affair but you know needed needed to be done um and that uh, this can i mean there's very little I can uh, I can expect now because I'm pretty sure they uh, will go uh, will, will progress to the uh, to the uh, Champions League um, knockout stage, and then I just don't see anyone who is uh, you know particularly strong. So I think we just need to use what's going uh, badly in the uh, uh, off the pitch between uh, Leonardo and Tuchel. And uh, and just keep on keep on winning games. I mean, uh, Keane is uh, is starting to uh, to score a couple of goals. He's getting some kind of confidence. There's this ongoing debate on between Rafinha, uh, sorry, between Danilo and Marquinhos, who's going to play uh, centre back and who's going to play in the midfield. All these things need to be sorted out uh, before before the big games come. And again, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the shall we say observers. Of uh, of the club, not expecting that much to happen in the Champions League, and uh, and a lot of people uh, are actually saying that uh, the um, uh, the our presence in the final was uh, was more down to, to luck than anything else. I have I happen to almost agree with that um, statement. So you know, no pressure for once. Uh, the media is not banging up about uh, PSG uh, have to have to uh, break their quarterfinal uh, jinx. I mean, we broke it now. And yeah, I think if Tuchel just uh, is being uh, uh, let do his job, then things will be fine. I'm pretty sure of that. It's a big if, though, isn't it? In this climate, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> wait and see well, what does end up happening. I honestly don't see him. Don't see Leonardo sacking him unless he has someone available. And uh, well, I did catch uh, Pochettino saying that he's ready to get back into management. He would be my uh, my first choice to uh, to replace Tuchel because he's played for the club, so he knows the club, and he is a good uh, he is a good manager. Um, however, I just uh, I just think that Leonardo needs to uh, yeah to find somebody before sacking him, and I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But it is. I mean, it is clear that they can't stand each other, and they don't really want to to pursue this this working relationship. Yeah, you'd think that this 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 has got to be Tuchel's last last season at the club. You know, I mean, we've been saying that basically every every season that he's been at the club. But surely now this is this is this is it at the end of this one. Yeah, but you know, he did he did uh, he did bring the club in uh, to the final, and he won every trophy he had to win except the Coupe de France against Rennes. I think he he just he's just saying okay okay folks uh, my job here is done. 
it's I'm okay. I'm okay. I've done. I've 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 done what I had to, what I had to do, which is to take the club very very far. I mean, we didn't win the Champions League. I mean, we we weren't we weren't far from winning it, were we? So I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he's not uh, he's not that bothered by the whole thing. Which is actually quite good because uh, that way he can he can he can do as as uh, the squad management as a squad management uh, he he wishes to do, which is good. And as you say, I guess it takes the pressure off certainly in this in this run of the Champions League. So so it will be yeah. interesting to see to see how they do against Leipzig in this one. Um, mm. That that will be all from us this evening, folks. Thank you very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, make sure you're following at GFFN on Twitter to get all the latest news from the world of French football. And please check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. Also, please be sure to check out the latest issue of the modern footballer, the Get Get Football Group's excellent print magazine, which features articles by myself and also by several by Eric, I believe. Um, I'm Jake Smales, and I've been joined by Eric Devine and Philippe Bagiel. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the football, stay safe and have a good week.